0: This week on the Roommates Podcast. When you get married, it's very hard when you Mm. have no practice committing to one. It is very hard and in some cases near impossible to commit to one. Mm. This is why I really encourage, you know, men and women get disciplined in your dating life. That doesn't mean that you can't have fun. That doesn't mean you can't go on on a normal, healthy process to find out who the right fit is for your life. everyone has to engage in that right just because you date someone even if you date someone with intent that doesn't mean it's going to work out of course that's just part of life exactly but as a man the focus has to be how do i get disciplined Mm. because if i ever aspire to be a faithful husband husband if i ever aspire to really be a, a husband that leads with the master i have to commit and that commitment begins prior to saying i do Yo, yo,
1: yo, yo, yo. What is up, world? This is your boy, Hafiz. And, and welcome to The Roommates, a worldwide community of people united on the values of becoming, holistic health, kindness, togetherness, and a thirst for knowledge. Also, also, also known as the best hour of your week where you are entertained like a stand-up, educated like a TED Talk, and enlightened like a sermon. Remember, guys, the podcast is always available on YouTube. YouTube premieres at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 8 a.m. Central Standard Time. And remember, guys, it's a live premiere so you can interact with us. Everybody will be there. It's a great way to connect with the community and to have real great conversations. The podcast comes out via audio. That is 12 a.m. Central Standard Time, 1 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. On Mondays as well So check that out as well Remember guys About 30 episodes on YouTube and, a, and the whole 110 catalog Is on audio That's Spotify Apple Podcasts Stitcher Radio Google Play Wherever you listen to podcasts That's where we are at And I know guys I know Christopher Jordan Bilo Is not here today <laughs> He, he asked me to take care of He couldn't be able to make it But I think I found A very Very Worthy Replacement Guys Guys In the Bible, there's this apostle by the name of John. And John is what they call the disciple that Jesus loved. When I look at somebody who God absolutely loved and has an amazing life, I think about our new roommates going to be coming on to the show. He's such an inspiration. He's such a blessing, man. So many people have been hitting me up saying, please, please get him on the show. He's so awesome. Please, guys, welcome to the show the one and only Devon Franklin.
0: (laughs) Hey, what's up, my brother? Yeah, man. How you doing? We finally did it. I know, man. We finally
1: made it happen.
0: Right on. It's awesome. It is. Ran into you at the airport and everything. I know, isn't that crazy? (laughs) That was the craziest thing. I'm like, what? You're flying where? We're in the same city. We can do it here. I know. But, uh, you know, everything in God's, uh, God's time.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for being here. You know, like I said, Chris is unfortunately won't be able to make it, but he sends his um, blessings to you. Like like yeah. I said, you're just such an inspiration, super excited about thank who you are, brother. everything that you stand for, and having this conversation.
0: Yeah, I'm glad to be here. I've heard a lot about you all, yeah. heard a lot about, you know, the roommates, so I'm, I'm glad to be one today. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome,
1: awesome. So for the people who don't know you who you are, can you give a Quick elevator pitch synopsis about who you are, what you do, and all that good stuff?
0: Sure. You know, um, I'm a producer. I I produce, um, you know, film and television. I have a deal with 20th Century Fox. My next film is called Breakthrough. Okay, awesome. It comes out uh, April 17th of this year. That's awesome. Just in time for Easter. That's awesome. And it's a true story of a mother who prays her son back to life.
1: Wow. Yeah, after he
0: dies falling through a frozen lake. Uh, yeah, powerful. I mean, this, this movie will make you cry like no other film because it's just so powerful. Yeah. And Chrissy Metz stars in it from This Is Us, uh, Josh Lucas, Topher Grace, Dennis Haysbert, Mike Coulter, and uh, Marcel Ruiz. And wow. I'm very excited about this film. So I, I produce films. I write books. I have a new book out called The Truth About Men, What Men and Women Need to Know. I've also written The Hollywood Commandments, uh, The Wait with My Wife, uh, Megan Good, and um, my first book, Produced by Faith. I also preach and motivational speak, and you know, go around the country and and use my gifts. So I don't know, man. I, I try to just help people. That's, That's awesome. And inspire people. That's really what it is. And, and trying to use entertainment specifically to do that.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome, man. Man, like <laughs> you got like so much of an awesome re- resume, man. Oh, it's super dope. So I have, I have a question. I've I been I've been wanting to ask you, man. Yeah. So I've read the weight. Mm-hmm. I've read the Hollywood commandments And I also read the truth about men um, Just so much wisdom So much blessing So much information in it And I'm trying to figure out You didn't write about that prayer That you said to God That helped you get a wife Like Megan Good <laughs> <laughs> Like <laughs> <laughs> what was nah, that? Nah I ain't giving y'all that prayer <laughs> What was y'all that prayer That you, you, that you said it. to God Was uh, it fasting Like what what was it That gave you the blessing no, man I mean,
0: you know It's so funny It's, it's, it's weird And I, listen I don't I'm not telling you I've had, I have not figured out because I don't. But what I mean is that, um, you know, I didn't pray. I didn't. That was the thing. I didn't because I really didn't want, com- I wasn't looking to be committed at that point in time. Oh, I wasn't wow. even looking for marriage. Oh, wow. Not even a little bit. So it was one of those things where, you know, when her and I started dating, you know, I was resistant to it. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know if I want to do this. I don't, I definitely didn't want to be with an actress. Um, You know, someone of uh, obviously her... Fame. I mean, that was a big deal. So I didn't pray the prayers, my prayers. Uh, But okay. God is like, oh, the thing you don't want, that's the thing I'm gonna give you. The thing you want, you ain't gonna get. I don't, I don't know why he operates like that too, guys. But uh, but nonetheless, there wasn't really a prayer. Okay. it was just doing my work, being who I was, and then God saying, Here you go.
1: Okay, all right, so, just making sure I just yeah. I know some of the guys want to know. They've been they've been praying and fasting. They they need to, they they want yeah, to know you this. Know,
0: just, they just gotta do become the best version of themselves. Yeah. I yeah, love it. And, uh, you know, their Megan will will appear. <laughs> amen. Amen. But
1: so let's go ahead and jump into it guys Devon has a new book called The Truth About Men It's such an amazing book I think it's going to be something that's really going to change the ecosystem Change the conversation, change the narrative that so many people have been going through In regards to men who've hurt others and themselves Also women who've been hurt about men Can you give people a, a short explanation about the book and
0: why you decided to write it? Yeah, you know, um, I'm excited about the truth about men, you know, what men and women need to know. Uh, This is a book for both men and women. And it really focuses on the work that we as men have to do Mm. and giving women information along the process. Because a lot of times as men, we're not honest about our struggles. And as a result, we end up, um, not becoming the men we could be. Mm. And sometimes using our gender as an excuse to do what we want mm. and uh, excusing our behavior away just because of, of being men. And so I wanted to write a book to say, not to point the finger at men at all, you know, but to say, here's how we can become better. Yeah. Here's how we can do our work. Here's how we can overcome our, our greatest struggle. Here's how we can honor commitment. Here's how we can you know, become you know, faithful. And making sure that women had information every step of the way. Because for women, when you don't understand something, I think it's impossible to become super successful with it. Mm. So, as it relates to you know, a lot of people that come to me for you know advice and whatnot, specifically in this area of relationships, a lot of times what's revealed uh, is that women don't understand us. Mm. They don't understand how how we communicate, why we don't communicate, how we think, and so I wanted to write a book that could give them information, bring what's in the dark to the light so that they could have information. Why is that so important? Because I was raised in a house where I had a front row seat to the pain that women experienced relative to a lot of the behavior of men. Yeah. You know, From the pain I would see in my mother's eyes to my grandmother's eyes, to my uh, grandmother's seven sisters, yeah. uh, to my female cousins. And I personally just wanted to do something about that because mm-hmm. there's so much pain in the world, especially yeah. in women, Uh, based upon what we as men have done. Mm. So I think that this information that I provide to women will help alleviate the pain. And I think for men, uh, so many men already have reached out from around the world that have read the book and are saying that it's helping them. Why? Because as men, we're in pain too. Of course. We're in pain, we we don't subscribe, we don't fit the box of manhood that society says we have to fit. Mm. None of us are, are the quote unquote perfect man in terms of the ideal, oh, you have to provide, you have to be the breadwinner, you have to be strong, you can't show emotion. Uh, you have to like sports, so on and so forth. None of us yeah. are are that, are all of that. Mm-hmm. And as a result, sometimes as men, we're in pain. Mm. You know, we 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 don't always know what to do. We don't always know what to say. We sometimes can be overwhelmed with the challenges we face. Sometimes we can feel hopeless and helpless. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to write this book to give hope, uh, exactly. so that we as men, you know, those of us that are in pain and know that we're in pain, can say. Uh, there is a better way, mm. and here's how we get control of our greatest struggle, and here's how we put ourselves in a process yeah. to become the men that we really want to be, but don't always know how to be. And here's how we stop hurting women along the way. I love it. I love it. And one of the things that we'll get a little
1: bit more in depth of when we start getting into the book is the concept you talk about in the book as the dog, which is you know yes. the lust that kind of was one of the things that caused a lot of hurt in men's lives and also in women's life. And but the key point that you have to bring up is that you're not anyway saying saying that all men are dogs. I think that's a misconception that some people they, they saw the word dog and they saw, you know, some of the themes about it and they didn't really actually read the book, unfortunately. <laughs> and uh but you're making it clear that you're not saying that all men are
0: dogs, correct? Yeah, no, of course. I mean I say that right up front. You know yeah. I say that in the introduction. And you know, you know, look people are always looking for something. So exactly. it's cool, you know, people read a read a blurb and they're thinking oh yeah this is what it's about no read the book yeah. and what i love is that you know those that are finding the book and the amount of people that have already found the book so so far has blown me away and both men and women alike read the analogy and i'll talk more about that in a minute yeah. um you know of of what lust is and how it operates they read it and they say yes mm. this is true yeah this is how it feels. Thank you for writing about this. Thank you for being open about this. Thank you for being transparent. Thank you for articulating it because no one is talking about this. That's true. So um, I think that if you have not read the book and you're just looking to judge something, you could say... Oh, you could say, oh, wow, this book is about that. Oh, that's not right. But when you really start reading it, you realize, oh, okay, it's not about that at all. So men, we're not dogs.
1: Um,
0: My theory is that every man struggles with lust, Mm -hmm. and that lust is a selfish impulse for personal, professional, financial, or sexual fulfillment by any means necessary, Mm -hmm. even if those means are detrimental. And in the book, I use uh, a metaphor, an analogy, where I call lust in men the dog. Um, I also say that every man has love in them. Love of themselves, love of God, love of the woman in their life, love of their family, love of their community. I call love the master. For us to be the men we were called to be, we have to master the dog. We have to put love in control of lust. We have to put selflessness uh, over selfishness. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to put balance over just ur- going after our urges. So important. And so that's why I use this metaphor because it really helped me articulate the problem in myself. Yeah, I'm like, oh, got it. Yeah, that dog metaphor works because if you have an untrained dog, um, no matter how cute it may be, uh, (laughs) it's a nuisance to everyone that it comes in contact with, including itself. Exactly. Because it doesn't know discipline. It has no self-control. It only wants pleasure. It doesn't want to take accountability or responsibility for what it does. This is what lust turns men into, Mm -hmm. turns us into. We begin to act outside of our character, act outside of our our integrity. We begin to want pleasure for pleasure's sake. We don't want discipline. We don't want anyone to hold us accountable. So the dog to me was an appropriate uh, metaphor, analogy to articulate uh, what this issue is, but also, the mastery part, the master, the love in us. Uh, Love is the most powerful force in the universe. And so every man has the most powerful force in the universe in us. That's love, that's the master. And so, uh, you know, there's a lot of dog owners, but not every dog owner is a dog master.
1: Mm.
0: How does a dog owner become a dog master? Leadership. So when we become a leader of self, when we say, you know what, just because I can do something doesn't mean I'm going to do something. Just because I have an urge to do something against my character, I'm gonna put myself in a process where I don't just act impulsively and do that as a man. I'm gonna become a better leader of myself. Mm. Why? Because I love myself. I love myself and I love my life and I love my commitment so much that if I don't lead, then I know that I'm gonna be led. What Mm. am I gonna be led by? These impulses that wanna destroy and derail and detour our destiny
1: mm, that's awesome and, uh, and I, I love that point that you brought up it's like you used that illustration of the, the two wolves the yes. inside of you like you said every man has the dog in him that lust yes. you know like the because of our sinful nature and the fall like we as human beings like we have a tendency to do want what is not good instead of yeah. what is good like I remember you quoted um, Paul in Romans 7 that's uh, right you know, the, the good I want to do I, I can't, can't do, do it that. I want to <laughs> yeah <laughs> but then the beauty is that like you said you have this master um um, and you have the master who, and every man has the ability to do so. Yes. You know, like I feel like so many men there, they have such a negative identity. They're they're told, "Oh, you're your X, you're Y, you're Z. You're not this. You'll never be this." So they they assume that men like you, who are you know godly men, who you know. From from what they can see, it has sure. a master leading in his life, and they see that they, they can't do it. But I love what you talk about in the book is that every like God
0: has given every single man the ability to be a master of his own life. Absolutely, we we all have it, mm-hmm. um, but sometimes we aren't taught to tap into it. Mm-hmm. Um, we aren't taught how to love. Yeah. So the idea of um, first of all, we aren't taught really. To love ourselves first mm, and foremost.
1: I love that point. You brought and up then, if books. we
0: don't love ourselves, it's hard then to love anything else. Mm-hmm. Really, really hard. So, for men, you know, it's not even sometimes always focusing on the lust per se, but it's like, okay, let me focus on the love that I have. Let me focus on becoming a master. Let me focus on, you know, uh, having discipline. Let me focus on strength. Real strength, not built on anything physical, mm. you know. But strength is sometimes resisting those things I want to do that I know are not good for me, yeah. that I know will not be good for my family, that I know work against who I am and what I want to be. That takes strength. That takes courage. That takes commitment. That's what mastery is built on mm-hmm. um, when we are in control and not controlled by these urges and impulses and mm-hmm. the dog, so to speak. So it was important for me to articulate the positive nature of men that we can do great good, we can be. Better than sometimes we are, but we have to know that there's hope. Mm. And when there's these feelings of lust, when the dog begins to bark, and we're in a culture that pretty much entices the dog, exactly, men, yeah. profits off of the, <laughs> the lust in men. Yeah. You know, so every man has to come to a point where they say, um, "How can I become different?" Mm. You know, I'm subscribing to what society tells me is um, to be a man, and I'm, it's not fulfilling. Mm. You know, there have been so many men that have come to me and said, you know, I tried to buy into the idea the more women, the better. And I had as many women as I could have, mm. but they would tell me they were still empty.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, it didn't matter what their business card said. It didn't even matter how much money they had. There was something empty in their spirit. Why? Because they weren't tapping into the master. They weren't tapping into love. And I believe real mastery, every master must be committed to the master, mm. um, you know, to God. And so often when we as men are empty, it's because we're going away from God. We're doing things that we think can substitute the only thing that there is no substitute for, which is a commitment to the highest power. Um, And I think that when we do that, when we don't commit to God, when we don't allow the master to lead, then we become and we behave like the dog, Mm. you know, where we are just out there in the world only seeking a world that allows us to do what we want whenever we want, however we want. And anytime anyone resists that, we either dismiss them from our life or we get ourselves out of that environment and we seek out environments that allow us to do what we want. But this world was not just created for us to do what we want. Mm. Even when you go back to the beginning, Adam was put into the Garden of Eden with responsibility. Exactly. He had to tend the garden. He had to work it. He wasn't just like, God didn't just say, oh, here's the garden, do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. he gave him a, assignments. Here's the garden, you have to tend to it. Here are the animals, I want you to name them, right? There was purpose, there was intent. And when we as men don't want purpose, when we don't want intent, when we don't want accountability, responsibility, we then become what this lust wants us to be. Mm-hmm. And then when we look at how society has changed and why you know, our behavior is now being brought into the light, it's because for too long, we keep getting by on boys will be boys. Mm. Oh, but the credit card bill is high. Yeah, and now it's due. Mm. And for us to be able to survive and thrive in this new world, it requires a redefinition of manhood, which begins with mastery.
1: Man, that's uh, that's just so much. And I and I I I love how you're constantly going back to that we as men have the ability to be able to use the tools and resources that God has given us to build up the master in our life. Because one thing that i found is that a lot of men do want to do good, but they don't know how to. Um, There was this really popular pastor um, who made a very profound quote talking about for a lot of people who have uh, father father wounds. And he said, if you want to um, forgive your father for whatever hurt he has caused you, remember this simple phrase, he did what he could with the tools that he had hmm And he said So a lot of people Look at their dad And don't understand He had a limited tool set mm-hmm. He had a limited tool belt So he used the example Of a house If mm-hmm. he gave a man a house And said all he had Was a pail of shovel and sand What kind of house Would he build? Not a very stable and long-lasting one. Mm-hmm. Versus, you gave a man a brick, a construction company, and cement. What kind of house could he then build? Mm-hmm. A strong one. So, what ends up happening is that a lot of men didn't have the tools and resources necessary to build that life up, to build that master. And what I'm seeing in your book is that you're actually giving these men these tools and resources to build up the master. You know, to pursue the virtues and run away from the vices.
0: Yeah, I mean, absolutely, and and that's so important. And and sometimes. Uh, even though our parents didn't have the tools. Some of them didn't even do what they could have with those tools. Mm. So I (laughs) think we have to be honest about that and also come to a place of peace about it because sometimes we can drive ourselves crazy with what our parents didn't do and how we feel about it. The reality is we can't go back and change it. Mm. So what are we going to do about it? And who do we want to be? And what type of parents do we want to be? What type of men and women do we want to be? Um, even if we didn't get the the type of parenting we would have liked, sometimes that can be the strongest motivator yeah. and catalyst to become the best parent that we did want to see. So that the children that may come from us uh, have a different model and a different example. Mm. So I'm a firm believer that no matter what the circumstance is, that it's important to look back enough to heal whatever is not, whatever we haven't healed, but to do our best to look forward
1: awesome. um,
0: in, in a way that we can be positive and productive because when we don't, there's a lot of times we keep rehashing, well, I wish my dad would have done this or my mom would have done that, uh, but they didn't. Yeah. And that's a hard truth. But once we just accept that and say, okay, for better or worse, they didn't do it. Mm-hmm. If they're still around, ask them, well, why didn't you do this? Yeah. Well, I still feel this way about it. Why didn't you do it? And maybe getting some answers from them will help be able to put it to bed so that we can move forward. But I think the key thing is moving forward and not allowing anything in our present to go unexpressed, to go undiscussed. Mm-hmm. So many things that we think about that we just allow to stay underneath the surface. And this book is really about how do we start living more transparently? Yeah. How do we start living more truthfully? How do we you know, no longer suppress? How, long, how do we no longer deny? Mm-hmm. How do we you know, allow the things underneath the surface to come out not in a way that's negative, but in a way that's actually positive, because we're able to finally talk about some things we have maybe either been afraid to talk about, mm-hmm. we haven't known how to talk about it, or we just feel like nobody cares. Mm. And and I wanted to write this book to say, well, no, we do. I do care. Yeah, I care. I want to show you how to do it. I haven't figured it all out. I don't have all the answers. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't. Um, but what I have learned, I wanted to talk about. I wanted to teach, because I do think we can get help. And I do think that we can become the men we wanna be. Um, I think we can treat women better. Um, And I do think that sometimes the only way to do that is for the messages to be in our face.
1: Of course. And,
0: um, And sometimes that accountability uh, you know, as men, you know, we we need somebody to take a stand. Well, even if we don't agree with them. Exactly. And then, so for me, it's like, hey, I'm just going to take a stand as one man trying to help other men and women because we're in this together. Amen. Amen.
1: And so one of the things, one of the misnomers that I've seen, especially amongst young adults, is this kind of idea that when you're young, you live it up. You know, you do whatever you want, engage in, you know, hedonism, what type of whatever pleasures you want to indulge. And then when you're older, you go ahead and you settle down and then, you know, then you're able to live this peaceful life. But One of the things you talk about in the book is that it's actually that's impossible. You know, there's no way that you say allow a dog to do whatever it wants for, for three years. And then all of a sudden at year four, <laughs> now he's going to be obedient right, right, and do right. whatever you want. Why do you think so many people believe that, you know, when they're young, they can just live however they want and there's not have any consequences when they're older?
0: You know why? Because I mean going back to the what you talk about in mean, the chapter I have about the you know one you feed and and um you know the the the, the wolf the wolf uh, the two wolves the uh the one that is uh you know good the one that's bad the one you feed ultimately it's the one that wins and so mm. that to me is a metaphor for the the master and the dog and us and the one we feed is ultimately going to win um and I talk about the difference between virtue and vice I call virtue soul food I call vice dog food mm. why is that important? Because Vice is fun. Mm. This is why vice is hard to resist. And this is why, especially in your youth, our youth, it's like, oh, as a man, I just wanna have fun. You know, I wanna go out, I wanna hang, I wanna live with no accountability, no responsibility. And in some instances, it's like, oh, is it, you know, I wanna drink. I want to I hang out with these women, get as many women as I can. I want to make money. I want to buy the type of car I want. It's fun. Mm. Vice. I mean, if Vice didn't have some pleasure in yeah. it, nobody would be doing it. Exactly, exactly. It. So let's just be honest about yeah, that. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, it's fun, but it's destructive long-term. Mm. And so I think a lot of times the idea is, well, let me have as much fun as I can um, but there's always fun fun without um, accountability, exactly. right? So it's like, oh, I'm gonna have fun. I don't have to pay for this. Yeah. Well, you know, at, eventually you're gonna have to pay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? There's always strings attached when mm. we think we can just have that type of fun. Mm. Now, of course you can have fun in a healthy way. Of course you can have fun in a virtuous way, but I'm talking about fun related to devices. Mm. Uh, the challenge there is that when we buy into that mentality, to the point I make in the book, is that when you continuously feed the dog and you have no discipline in dating, when you get married, it's very hard when you mm. have no practice committing to one. It is very hard and in some cases near impossible to commit to one. Mm. This is why I really encourage you know, men and women, get disciplined in your dating life. That doesn't mean that you can't have fun. That doesn't mean you can't go on a, on a normal healthy process to find out who the right fit is for your life. Everyone has to engage in that, right? Yeah. Just because you date someone, even if you date someone with intent, that doesn't mean it's gonna work out. Of course. That's just part of life. Exactly. But as a man, the focus has to be, how do I get disciplined? Mm. Because if I ever aspire to be a faithful husband, if I ever aspire to really be a, a husband that leads with the master, I have to commit. And that commitment begins prior to saying I do. Yeah. And that's why practice with that is so essential especially in the area of our sex life, because if you can get disciplined in your sex life, there's nothing that you can't do as a man. And I think so often, we have to be careful of the direction the culture leads us.
1: Mm.
0: Everywhere the culture is going doesn't mean that it's right. Mm. So I think we have to really think twice, just because the culture says, oh, as a young man, have as much fun as you want, sow your royal oats, do all those things. (laughs) Well, we have to say, well, why are you encouraging me to do that? Mm. What is the benefit, what do I get out of that? But here's the thing, it's so important not to suppress. It's, not, it's important not to be like, okay, yeah, well, I wanna have fun, but how can I have fun responsibly? Mm-hmm. How can I have fun in a way that doesn't destroy my soul? How can I have fun in a way that doesn't destroy the soul of others? Exactly. That doesn't disrupt their life? Because mm-hmm. a lot of times, when we as men say we wanna have fun, mm-hmm. guess who ends up bearing the pain of our fun? Women. Exactly. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times, men find fun in womanizing. Mm-hmm. And I talk about this in the book, that, and again, I'm not an anthropologist, I'm not a sociologist, so I don't get too deep into the areas that I'm just not qualified to talk about, mm-hmm. but, I do say that you know the world was set up previously; um, it was better set up for men's adventurous nature. Mm. We are adventurers by nature, yeah. and so you know. But now, if anything we want, we can just open up our phone and order it. Mm. So the adventurous part of us doesn't always get satisfied. Mm. The danger is we find a lot of adventure in womanizing, mm. and there's a tendency and a temptation to allow that exploration and that desire for adventure to be found in how many women we date, how we date those women, and using women as a conquest. Wow. Oh, I'm just having fun. Well, no, on the other side of that, a woman that you may not have told, oh, I'm not serious about you. I just wanna have fun. You mm. may not have told her that. Mm. So as a result, she is gonna be bearing the pain mm. of thinking that something was happening more than it was. Mm. And this is one of the reasons why I wanted to write this book, for us as men to, to have a mirror and to say, wait, who do I wanna be? Yeah. Who do I want to be? And for women, if you're dealing with the man who is making the decision that he doesn't want to be the better man,
1: yeah.
0: he, you now have information where you can do something about it. Mm. And that's why I'm excited about this book, because it's empowering, yeah. where you don't just have to sit by and accept, especially as a woman. You can say, oh, now I can decode and decipher who this man is, what he's really about, and now I can make decisions to go in a different direction. Yeah. There's power there.
1: That's awesome, and so one of the things that you talk about—correct me if I'm wrong—is you said like when you were single, you made a decision not to date multiple people. Did you?
0: Well, no. What I say, okay. what I was saying is that in the book, um, you know, even though, cause see, I, I let's see, I started waiting in my early twenties, but even though I was waiting, doesn't mean it didn't make me a great dater. Yeah. So there were periods of time where I did date more than one. And I bought into, oh, the more the better. Now, here's the thing, I wasn't always honest with each one what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So that was a form of manipulation. Mm. And what I realized over time was that, yes, in those moments, it was fun. But long term, I began to see, oh, wait a minute. I'm leading these women on. These women are thinking something more serious is happening than there is. Mm -hmm. And I know that I'm not that serious, but they don't know. Mm. And what I began to realize is like, oh, here's the thing. I'm keeping them in a gray area because I want my fun. Mm. I want my pleasure. Yeah. The dog was leading those decisions, okay. not the master. And so there was a vision that God gave me where I was about to get married. I was at the altar and uh, the minister said turn around and down the aisle were all the women I dated but they were slain, they were cut open. Oh wow. Yes. And,
1: Scary uh, dream. <laughs> man, terrifying.
0: <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street, okay. Yeah. Um, and, uh, God basically was communicating to me. Do you think it was worth all of them to get here? Mm. Don't play with my God. Don't play with my daughters' hearts. Mm. These are my daughters. Mm. And so what that did was it. It startled me, and it really it brought more responsibility into my dating life. Again, didn't mean that I didn't try to find the right person.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and you know, even after having this particular revelation, I still dated women, and it didn't work out. Yeah. But it made me more intentional. Yeah. And also it made me more responsible. So there were some women that I could have dated, but after that vision, I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna do it. Mm-hmm. Because I know that this is not the right person for me. I know it's not the right fit. It would be fun to hang out. It'd be fun to go to the movies with her. It'd yeah. be fun, you know, for us to just, you know, not worry, throw caution to the wind and just yeah. hang and have fun. But I know at the end of the day, I don't mean her any good relative to a romantic life. Yeah. As friends, cool. Yeah. But I don't mean her any good, so that it actually deterred me from doing that. Okay. And uh, I look back now, and I'm saying, you know, I'm, I'm I'm happy on for those choices because sometimes as men, especially when it comes to women, if a woman is interested in us, a lot of times men just say, "Hey, well, she's interested. Hey, you know, I'll explore it." Yeah. Right. Um. But just because she she wants us doesn't mean that she's for us. Okay. And so that's where mastery comes in. Mm-hmm. That's where mastery. is like okay. I have to think above the situation. Yeah. I just can't let my impulses and my urges just r- run every decision. Because yeah. if I do, I'm gonna make the wrong decision. Because I'm only gonna be focused on satisfying whatever that urge is, and that urge could be more than sex, more than just sex for uh, or for women. It could be for money. It could be for power. It could be for success. All of these things that have to be managed, and all these things have to be tempered. And if they're not, We just become what they want us to be. So it wasn't so much that I didn't date multiple women because I did. It's just that I came to a revelation about why I was doing that. And once I had that revelation, I began to change my ways because I began to realize, oh, wow, this is, a. I mean, this is obvious, but sometimes as a man, when you're in it, you don't think this way. A lot of times you don't have, you don't even have the revelation that you're dealing with a person, Mm. This woman is not an object of, of our pleasure. She is not there for our fulfillment at whenever we want. She is a, a human with a heart and a life. And sometimes men, we don't think that way. Mm. We just think, oh, she's attractive. She wants to hang out, cool, yeah. whatever. Doesn't matter if I'm serious or not, whatever. She wants to hang, cool. Yeah. If she hasn't asked me that we're together, then I'm not gonna tell her we're not together, mm. right? That's that dog in us. Mm. So for us to be the master, we gotta say, you know what, I, I, I care about you, even though I may not know you, I still care about you as a woman and as a daughter of God that I'm not gonna lead you down the right the wrong path. Yeah. However, if I am serious or I do think you have potential, I'm gonna tell you. Yeah. Hey, you know, I'm gonna let you know, here's my intent. She may say, hey, that's cool, but I don't have the same intent. Mm-hmm. That happens, yeah. right? It's not like just because we want a woman that that's going to work out. It <laughs> yeah. may not. But it's the practice of this discipline. Yeah. It's the practice of mastery even before marriage. And so that really has helped me in marriage um, so that it has helped me make better decisions, I think.
1: Yeah. I guess one of the questions that, you know, a lot of um, people in the community have asked us and some of the things we were going through is that, you know, as... Let's say you're a single man who is, you know not having sex until marriage, you know, it's practicing being the master, not fitting into a dog. And genuinely, you know, it's trying to do right and live as godly as you can. And, you know, as you get older, you 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 want to meet women to potentially date somebody for the purpose of marriage. But, like, as you get older, it's like, it's hard to meet new people, right? And then, you know, especially older women, they don't give you as much time to just, you know, just be friends, you know, to, to be able to get to know them. So I guess the question is, if you're... uh a man who's trying to get to know women, is it okay to get to know multiple women if you're honest about it, if you're letting them know your intentions, you know, and it's at the initial part of, you know, just figuring out like who might be a good fit for your life.
0: Yeah, and I, I talk about this in the book. I, I just say the way to date, uh, mastery in dating, that's yeah. the section in the book where it is what you're alluding to, which is I am trying to find the right fit for my life. Yeah. My intention is, you know, i if I'm open to get married, I'm open, I'm looking for a wife, you know, on some level, I'm open to whatever God wants me to be and who he wants me to be with, but I'm in a process where I'm just exploring to try to figure out the right fit. Mm -hmm. So I want you to know what my intention is overall. I don't yet know, we haven't even started really getting to know one another. I don't yet know what my intention is for you. I can tell you overall that here's where I am, you know, and if you're cool with that, I'd love to get to know you. Yeah, and and I want to be clear about something that, you know, at, the, at this moment, there are other women that I'm trying to get to know.
1: Yeah.
0: So I want to be upfront so that you as the woman have the opportunity to say, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Or for you to say, you know what? I don't want to date somebody who's dating multiple people. Yeah. So why don't we just kick back and be friends? Give her the option. Yeah. The more honest, the more transparent, the more truthful, the better. Yeah. So that, heaven forbid, things don't work out, as two consenting adults, you both were able to decide, well, we both knew what this was in terms of both of us exploring what this was gonna be. So then when it doesn't work out, even though it may not have been great, we both can say there was still integrity there mm-hmm. because we both knew that we were trying to see if this was gonna work out and we figured out that it wasn't. Or we went into it with integrity and as you're dating different people and you're honest with them, you may decide, oh, this is the one.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, wow. You know, I mean, before Megan and I started dating, I was doing this. I was dating you know more than one person, but I was being clear and honest with them. And then once Megan and I started dating, I was like, "Oh man, well, this is my wife. so yeah, yeah. i had to, I had to tell the others like, "You know what? I, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. I can't do this. This is why uh, you know it wasn't they weren't easy conversations, but they were truthful conversations. yeah, and that's why I think that you know, there was uh, it mitigated the pain. Of course, you have pain when you not end up with somebody you you wanted to be with. But when you knew up front, yeah, I think it it, it at least helps put that pain in perspective. And so I would say to that man, you know, that's waiting and that's reading the book and wants to lead with mastery, it's still okay to explore. Yeah. And what is so important, and this is one of the reasons why I wrote the book, you have to resist for any man or any woman that wants to wait or is waiting, uh, wants to lead with love, not with lust. You have to resist the temptation to suppress. What do you mean by that? Here's what I mean. Go ahead. A lot of times it's like, oh, I'm waiting. You know, uh, I, I wanna be the master, you know, or I wanna lead with love. I have to keep pushing down these lustful feelings. Mm. I have to keep pushing down these, these desires to have sex. I have to keep pushing down these desires for the opposite sex because I'm waiting and I... And I no. Be honest that you feel them. Mm. Be aware that they are there. Because what happens is even when you wanna do right, Suppression can be an area that can set you up to do wrong. That's good. Because you're just like, I just want to do what God called me to do. And I'm just trying to be my best. And 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 you know, and 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 then you start to say, Well, no, I don't have these feelings, I don't have these thoughts, and we hide from ourselves. Mm. It's like, yeah, I'm waiting, but you know, yeah, I, I still have these feelings. And so I'm aware of those feelings, uh, so that I that these feelings those so that these feelings don't get power over me. Mm. You know, yeah, you know, I, I, yeah, if someone who's waiting, yeah, I have love and lust in me t- in, too, and I work on it every day. Yeah. You know, even as a married man, you know, I have a dog in me too. Mm. You know, I have a dog in me, I have a master in me, and they both fight with one another every day. Mm. I have to control it, but I'm aware of it. That's good. I don't suppress the fact that I'm married and the dog still barks.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm married and I still have these thoughts. I'm married and sometimes these feelings come on me. They don't control me. Yeah. They don't overtake me, but I acknowledge that they're there. I no longer suppress them because when I was suppressing them, they would grow. Mm. But when I started saying, listen, I don't know why I'm having this thought. It's here. Mm -hmm. So let me acknowledge it so that it can pass instead of denying it because it will persist. Mm. This is why it's really important, even for someone who is waiting or deciding that they want to do good, to still acknowledge that there is still the presence of bad. Mm. It's really, really, really important because yeah. I've come across so many, uh, you know, young people, uh, you know, that w- that are waiting or want to wait, and you know, they're just like, "Oh, everything's fine, and I'm great," and mm-hmm. da, da, da. and I just sit back and say, "Oh, <laughs> Jesus, how long? How long? How long?" Because it's like it doesn't work that way. Yeah, yeah, it just yeah. doesn't work that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. You know, when we're honest and we can have somebody that we talk to and say, "Yo, I'm waiting," but yo, this thing is hard. Yeah. It's difficult, man. I mean, even when I was, you know, waiting before Megan and I got uh married, you know, I, I had to have people I could talk with and say, yo, dude, I'm waiting, man. But yeah. yo, dude, <laughs> this thing is difficult. Yeah. You know, especially when you got the sauce. Oh man. It's like, <laughs> Lord have mercy, you know, or you'd be in a situation where like, oh man, she wanted this yeah. to do that, and and I'm waiting. Man, I had to rush yeah. out of here because if I didn't, it like was about Joseph. to be over. But being yeah. able to just be honest, yeah. it, there's so much uh, uh, freedom in it. Yeah. And that's what I encourage. Yeah, I love
1: that part about the book that you talk about like the radical transparency and vulnerability yeah. and in masculinity and setting that as a standard moving forward. Yeah. And you being the one who initiated and led in that, like I really applaud you for, you know, saying all the personal, and private things that you were dealing with and communicating in the book to be able to help other young men and older men to be able to say, if I can put out my feelings to the world, so can you. Yeah. Because that's the one thing that I feel like a lot of men have dealt with, like you talked about. like When, you, when you're when you constantly thinking about something in an unhealthy way and you don't express it, like you said, it's kind of like shaking up a can. You that's know? right. Eventually, oh, in a matter of time, that's right.
0: it's going to go everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah.
1: to be able to create that environment, to find trustworthy men, you know, to be able to converse with. And that's one of the parts about the show that we've created. It's not just a once a week um, episode, but it's a community of people who can connect and talk and to share and to express it. And I, and what I found, and you talk about in the book, when men are able to express their feelings, their hurts, their pains, their yeah. frustrations, their struggles, there's healing at the yeah. end of that.
0: Yeah, there is a lot of healing, a whole lot of healing. But that's why there's so much resistance to it, Mm. you know, because I I think sometimes, you know, the culture, you know, the enemy, speaking spiritually, you know, doesn't want us to get free as men. Doesn't want us to really wants to be be in the darkness. Absolutely, because the more that we as men don't do our work, the more chaos, pain that there's going to be in the culture, Mm. in the world. So you're right. When we can talk, when we can express ourselves, when we feel in touch with who we are, when we're honest, when we're loving. There is another freedom that we experience, and there's a power in that, and that's where real power is: self mastery, self control, discipline. That's power. Uh, anybody can find someone they can dominate. That's mm. not a sign of power. That's weakness. Mm. But can I can I get control of myself? Yeah. Can I lead myself? That's real power when we do it. I love it. And um, another thing that I've
1: recently realized is we've gotten a lot of emails from women who are, whether they're dating a guy they're in a relationship with a guy and, they're, and it, it seems that they're always asking how do I get him to do A? How do I get him to do B? How do I get him to do C? And what it sounds to me is like how do I get the dog to behave? Like how can I get the dog to behave? And what I've noticed is that they're in a sense, trying to be the master in his life. They're the one trying to control him. They're the (laughs) one trying to get him in order. But it's like, no, he has to do it himself. In almost every single culture, the manhood ritual is that the man himself has to make the decision to enter into manhood to become the master. And you talk about that a lot in your book that it's not women can help along that journey, but it's the man's job to master it in his life Absolutely. and not the woman's.
0: One one thousand percent. And yeah. and that's a you know, it's a hard truth. Mm. Um when I was on the reel talking about the book, I said something very similar where it's like, you know, you cannot master uh the dog and the man. Mm. You can't be his master. Mm. I said for women, I think where you can in terms of trying to get a man to do what you want him to do, um, I think it's all starts with are the things you want him to do the things that he agreed that he would do? Mm, that's a good point. Because if you're asking, if you're trying to get him to do stuff that he's never agreed to, it's never gonna work. How could you get him to do something that you want him to do? He first has to say, okay, I agree with you that that's something I want to do. Yeah. Now, if he wants to do the things that you want him to do, the way to do it is, through management, not mandating. Mm, go ahead, tell him. Tell him.
1: <laughs> <boy>. Tell him. <laughs> yeah, That's how you do it.
0: You cannot mandate. Okay, so, so if, if you and your, you know, if, if two people in the relationship come together and they decide, okay, this is what we both want. Let's say the woman is trying to get that man to, to do the things he's already agreed that he would do. You cannot then mandate that he do it on the timetable, which you want him to do it. Mm. However, you can help manage it. Yeah. You know, where you're like, okay, hey, baby, you know, let's, you know, we, you said you would do this. You know, how can I be supportive to you in this area? Is this too much? Am I saying too much here? Can I say this here? Can I hold you accountable there? That's what management looks like. It's a partnership. Yeah. Right? It's not... Uh, where, okay, baby, hey, you told me you are gonna take out the trash. You came home, I came home, the trash wasn't out, and then now you're gonna hear about it, mm, right? Yeah, that, That's when you, a man will just resist and say, well, no, no, uh-uh, well, then fine, yeah. I'm not gonna do it. He'll feel disrespected, you know? He'll feel like it's, you're nitpicking. The t- all those things happen. Yeah. But it is possible for a woman to get a man to do what she wants as long as those things he's agreed upon and what is so important And one of the reasons why I wrote this book, and I give so much information in this book, to women, because one of the best ways to call the master out of a man, to get that master to step up, to to even at times uh, have us as men do what you may like, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: one is by vocalizing what you like, what Mm. you want, not always focusing on what you don't want. Mm. Here's what I want. Here's what makes me happy as a woman. When you do this, baby, I love that. When you're dealing with a man (laughs) who loves you and you tell him the things that he does that you love, you're going to have him eating out of your hand. (laughs) I'm telling you. Maybe write this down. (laughs) I'm telling you, because so often it's like, well, I don't like when you did this and I don't like when you did that. And I'm not saying don't be vocal about what you don't like. And I'm going to hit that in a minute. But have you told him what you do like? Mm. Have you expressed the things that you love that he does when he hears those things? A man that loves you will want to do the things that you love, That's very important. That's great. The other thing I would say is that you know, when you're dealing with the situation um, of a man that, that is doing things that you don't like, you have to be vocal. Mm. And here's how you're vocal. You gotta set the expectation. Babe, I love you so much, I've gotta hold you accountable. And here's my expectation relative to accountability. When you do X, Y, and Z, here's how it makes me feel in a negative way. Mm -hmm. Babe, I can't deal with that. Mm. So how do we fix that? How do we work through it? And and here's the other area. Even when you express how you work through it, he may say, well, baby, that's just the way I am. I'm not willing to change. Mm. Okay, be that as it may. That woman can still set the expression and the standard for, okay, I understand you're not willing to change, but I want you to know something your inability or your desire to not change, right now, I I can deal with that. Yeah. Okay, but I want you to know that over time, I can't tell you what that's gonna do to us. Mm. I'm gonna be honest with you. Uh, When you behave this way, it makes me feel distant, it makes me feel isolated, it makes me feel alone, it makes me feel like I don't matter to you and If that behavior continues like now, I have the strength, I can deal with it. But if that behavior continues long-term, I can't tell you what that's gonna do to our love. Mm. And I love you enough to tell you the truth. Mm. This is how, again, it's a complicated thing, but this is how you can navigate situation when you, as a woman, feel like you don't have any control because he's just doing whatever he wants. No, you do have control. And this book has even more information to give you control.
1: Man, I love it, I love it. And um, for the guys right now who, hearing your message, who, want to experience the master and mastery over the dog in their lives. You've made um, reference to it earlier how, you know, sexually, is that's one of the most difficult parts about experiencing mastery. And so many guys have are struggling with that and, you know, will struggle with that in the future. What would be something that you tell these men who are trying to master that part of their lives, who are really, like, Barely being able to manage at this
0: current moment. Sure, you know I talk about in the book um, one of the tips related to this particular issue is I said think of sex as a want, not a need. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to get into the debate of if sex is a want or a need in reality because yeah. that is uh, a time you know a conversation yeah. that, that will be here all day. Exactly. Um, but it's a matter of how we think about it. How do we compartmentalize it? How do we categorize it mentally? Yeah. The reason why I think it's so important to think of sex as a want, not a need, because anything we need, we justify getting it.
1: Mm -hmm. You need
0: water, you need food, you need shelter. So it's very hard to be upset with somebody when they go do the things they need to do to survive and meet their basic needs. And sometimes we can can even justify our behavior relative to what we need. Mm. But we are accustomed to not getting everything we want. You know, I might want a Range Rover. I don't have a Range Rover. Okay, you know, I, I may want to watch this particular show. I missed the show. I may want to eat, uh, you know, a piece of cake. I didn't get a chance to eat the cake. All right, we're accustomed to not getting everything we want. Mm. But when we put sex in the need category, we can find ourselves justifying, you know, unjustifiable behavior to get it. Mm. But when we put it in the want category, it's like, oh, got it. So as a man who wants to be, you know, the master, and as a single man who is waiting and trying to get control, okay, got it. I have these urges. I have these impulses. Sex is a want, yeah, right. I don't buy into the idea that sex is a need mm-hmm. because if I keep focusing on sex as a need, I've got to have it. I've got to have it. Eventually, you're gonna have it. Yeah. Whereas, as a want, it's like okay, or I can wrap my head around that—that that I'm not getting it right now because I don't want it, mm-hmm. right? I'm making the choice, yeah, not to have it. Yeah. And when it's right, when it's the right time, and I'm in the confines of marriage. If you're waiting until marriage. Then I I will then be okay because even in marriage, what's so interesting when you get married, you know your sex life goes up and down based upon your the availability, mm. timing, and all that. Yeah. So still thinking of it as a want is a very helpful tool of navigating your sex life even in marriage. Yeah. So this tip is a tip I put in the book, which I think is so important, and I think it's an it can be very successful for anybody trying to navigate waiting, uh, whether being a, a man or a woman.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's something that, you know, as I apply that to my life, that's one of the first things that, you know, I've had to learn. And also it goes kind of like in the sense of, it reminds me of like a, a fast at times. Yeah. You know, like you fast for a season for a reason to bring you closer to God, you know, to grow and to help you. And so, in like you said, in marriage, like I've heard many people say, and you were saying it as well, that you do go through seasons where you're not going to be having sex as often as previously. Yeah. So end of the day, self-control, as you talk
0: about in the book, you it's have everything. to master it. That's right. You know? It's everything. The need for self-control never goes away. Yeah. The need for discipline never dissipates. Yeah. And but
1: like you said, but if you're in your singleness and you never learned how to exercise self-control, it will never help. Will never happen, or be very difficult to happen when you're married. I think the most saddening part about um, my early young adult years was when I met so many married men who were still struggling with pornography when they had like four daughters and so many guys who would tell me about mm-hmm. they would go to you know vacation and cheat on their wives and you you would think that you know you'd be over this when you know when you're old but then you saw like that pattern of behavior yeah. and singleness. Like you said that untrained dog in singleness led to an untrained dog in the same pattern of behavior into marriage.
0: Absolutely. And yeah. this is why I'm so vigilant, you know, about the book and the message of the book because we can get control. Yeah. It's not always easy. It's a challenge. It's a process. But it's good, it's yeah. worthwhile, and I know that we become the men we want to be when we put ourselves through the process of mastery and not allowing uh, the dog within to run wild. Yeah,
1: and guys, we're not going to give you the whole book, that's why we make sure, <laughs> make sure you buy right, the book. And no, we're not going to give you the whole book, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, I want to wrap this up because I don't want to give too many details, they get lazy, they won't buy it. But uh, one, so right now, there's young men who grew up without a dad. They don't have any positive role models in their immediate communities, and they're but they're but they're hearing this message. You know, they they want to gain mastery. They they want They want to control the dog. They want to. They want to be people who build up women and build up their communities and build up the, their loved ones and not to tear it down. Um, but their immediate surroundings is filled with so many toxic people and toxic environments and toxic behaviors, and. But they want to do good. Like, what would be your advice to young men like that out in the world who really do want to do good, but their environments and their surroundings are really holding them down?
0: Yeah, I, I would say that um, take it one step at a time. Yeah. Meaning, you know, sometimes when you're in an environment that is doing the exact opposite, it can feel overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So, I, I would say to that young man um, take it one day at a time. How can you be the good you want to be? on that particular day. The other thing I would say is that uh, we all need models. So even if you don't have a model of who you'd like to be like, or a model of fatherhood within your immediate circle, look into the world. Yeah. Who are the men you, you aspire to be? Or who are the women that you look up to? And begin to put a model of fatherhood, motherhood, a model of mentorship together, even if they're people you've never met. Because you know, I grew up without a father, but I would look to people in the public eye and say, oh man, I love what this man is doing, I love this over here. And so I began to put together my own model, my own mentor, uh, virtually so to speak, so that I at least had an idea of who I wanted to become Uh, Even though I didn't have that necessarily right in my vicinity Um, because environments can sometimes destroy our vision if that environment is not conducive to vision. Mm. So we have to always foster vision in an environment that is negative. So to those young men, you know, get within yourself. What is the vision for your life? What is the vision for your life? And don't allow the environment to suck that vision away. It may be something where you write it down, you, 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 uh, you know, put it in your phone. It could just be a private thing between you and God where, you know, this is the vision you have for your life. And in those environments where it is challenging, I understand that you can't always vocalize who you who you are and what you think, because sometimes those environments as a means of survival, they will try to, you know, from violence, push those things out of you. Mm. You know, Because if somebody feels like, oh, you're trying to do something different some, or better, mm. that can be a, a cause for violence. So I think any man in that environment, young man has to be smart, uh, ask God for wisdom to navigate those environments. Uh, but as part of that wisdom, preserve your vision. Or mm. preserve the vision of who you wanna be, where you wanna go. And sometimes seeing things in your environment that you don't like can be a catalyst to become what you want to be. Mm. And, some, and sometimes, instead of saying, well, I didn't have, I didn't have, be thankful for the images you have because they can actually push you into a place you may otherwise never be and have an impact on the world you otherwise may not have had you come from a different environment.
1: Wow, no, that's awesome. And so basically what it seems to me is like this idea of reverse engineering your life. Absolutely. You know, like say at six years old, you know, or 50 years old or 40 years old, whatever age you could think about, like, what kind of man do I want to be? And then to find men, maybe if you don't, can't find anybody in your media community, find men maybe on social media, find men maybe who are professionals in the field that you may want to do and yeah. model your life after those individuals. There you go. There yeah. you go.
0: Because that vision can, can be very helpful. To pull you out of where you are, yeah. And to be honest with you,
1: Devon, you're one of those people for me. Oh, you know, wow. Thank I'm you, for real. Man. Like um,
0: <laughs> you're, you're in my top three.
1: It's you, Tim Tebow, and, and Seth Curry. You oh, know, that's it's, dope. it's like that's like dope. like I've always been like so encouraged, so blessed. I I love your story. I Thank love you. just you know. Your your integrity. I love you, you know, your work ethic, and I love just how you're always putting God first. And I love how God blesses you.
0: <laughs> so He does, man. Hey, you yeah. put him first, man. And he'll he will take care of uh take care of us, man. It's yeah. faith plus works. That's the winning combination.
1: That's awesome. That's Thank awesome.
0: You. So Devon, I know um, our our Community
1: loves reaching out to people, and they love to connect with people. Sure. I know you're a really, really busy person, but if they if they wanted to reach out to you, yeah. let you know what about the episode, sit out to them, and thank you for coming on the show. Where is the best way they can reach out to I you? I would
0: say, um, you know, Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. You know, um, my handle is at Devon Franklin. D E capital V O N Franklin. Yeah. Uh, both on Instagram and Twitter, those are usually the very best places. If they're looking for you know more consistent information, I do have a mentor mail uh, email group. Sign up for that. Um, I post every week, give out information about you know, your spiritual life, your professional life, and your love life. So that's another way to stay connected.
1: That's awesome. And yeah. guys, like I said, make sure, remember, as as roommates, we love reaching out to people. We love encouraging. We love uplifting. Ladies, Devon is married. So no shooting, <laughs> no <laughs> shooting shots, none of that nonsense. All shots to be headed in my direction. That's right.
0: <laughs> but Devon, um, anything you'd like to say in closing to the people? Just grateful for the opportunity and uh, you know, don't don't lose hope. Yeah. In a in a world that sometimes seemed bleak, in a situation where you know, especially with these issues of men and women you know it can feel like man nothing's ever going to change yeah. uh it can change it yeah. will change and um you know if, if we lose hope then it definitely won't change but exactly. if we preserve hope uh, that that one spark of hope is enough to catch fire and produce the hope that we really want to see
1: I love it. So, guys, hey, make sure you get Devon Franklin's new book, The Truth About Men. Make sure you copy it. Make sure you reach out to Devon. Send him encouragement. Let him know what about the podcast. set out to you guys. And as always, guys, please make sure you share, share, share. Comment below. Let people know about this podcast. Let people know where they experience this awesome content and this message. My name is Hafiz, and I'm joined by
0: Devon Franklin.
1: And we got a roommates, guys. Thank you so much. We love you, and we'll see you next week.